0: What's up, party people? It's Brad, and I'm back at you with another episode brought to you by StilettoCoffee.com. This is coffee for driven women with exquisite class and a touch of sass. It is a tremendous coffee. Uh, the the beans are my absolute favorite, and I am biased, but uh, it's really amazing. My wife started the coffee company, and I've been supporting her and helping her throughout You'll hear us talk about that in today's episode. But if you're a woman and you love coffee, this is great for you. And if you've got a woman in your life that you'd like to give as a gift, I can think of nothing better than Stiletto Coffee. It comes in a beautiful black satin gift bag and um, we just hear tremendous reviews about it. So I wanna jump into today's episode. We're gonna talk to Pat Flynn. He's the host of Smart Passive Income Podcast and the author of a brand new book, a Wall Street Journal bestselling book called Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. Listen, if you've been in the podcast circuit at all. You've probably heard of Pat. He's got one of the top podcasts out there called Smart Passive Income. And it's just really a terrific uh, terrific resource for anybody. And that's why I asked him on the show, because we're going to talk about uh business and product validation. How to know if it's going to If it's going to work, or at least get some kind of an indication. If you are brand new and just getting started, or you've got a lot of experience, you're going to get a lot out of this episode, because Pat and I talk about the reasons why and different methods that you can validate your product before you bring it to market. So let's get to it. Let's see if Pat is on the other line. Okay, I'm recording, so... All right, so Pat Flynn, welcome to Bacon Wrap Business, buddy. How are you?
1: Thanks for having me, Brad. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's fun. And this is uh, I I've been a fan of your podcast for a long time. I've well, thank you. listened to it and you've always got some great stuff, and I've kind of tried to take, you know, take a few notes of what you're doing right and do them on my own show. And uh, when did you start that podcast?
1: That was July of 2010.
0: It's Look been, at you, Mr. Quite a while. early adopter. You know what's funny? Like how long have podcasts really be, even been around? They've been Going since the mid-2000s, right?
1: Yeah, for a long time. I mean I thought I was late because all the people I was in circles with in that podcasting world were like those nerds who just knew it like the back of their hand, right?
0: Right. But now what do you think was the the reason for the resurgence? Was there anything just in particular? Because it's crazy how overly over in the past two to three years it's just exploded.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of just the tools and and the information that's available to – us now to have anybody really start a podcast and then just some of the more bigger names in the world that are connected and and very much loved by just I don't know quote the common people I guess they see it and then I I don't know Serial I think was also had a big part with it because Serial was the first major podcast to go mainstream you know SNL did a spoof on it and it was just huge millions of downloads in just a couple weeks and um, that really put podcasting in people's minds and then a lot more people started doing podcasts and everybody just
0: is talking about it now. Absolutely. Well, and probably when they started to do the really highly produced ones and people realize that there's really good content over here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's cool. So, you know, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, your your podcast and your website is smartpassiveincome.com or search for that on, uh, on iTunes. Um, tell me a little bit more about your backstory and how you got started with this because then I want to dive into uh, your new book that's bestseller and just really rock it. And I think it's really, really, um, uh, you know, a terrific concept for a book and things that people need to know. But before we do that, tell me, I want to know a little bit more about your backstory. And I mean, the smart passive income, what what else are you doing to, to earn this income? So yeah,
1: I mean, most people know me from that site and podcast and YouTube channel all related to smart passive income. That's where I build businesses publicly and run experiments and different marketing strategies and just share everything that happens, things that go right, things that go wrong. That's why I sort of call myself the crash test dummy of online business because, you know, a crash test dummy, they put themselves on the line, they just get into that car and then they boom, hit that brick wall and they always report back for everybody else's safety. And that's what I feel like I do. But before that, I actually had a very successful business in the architecture space in the online world, and that is helping people pass a really difficult architectural exam. And I actually was laid off from the architecture industry, which is what got me excited and and interested in this online business space. And then I took some knowledge I had about a very hard exam called the lead exam. I packaged all that up into a website, study guides, uh, classes, practice exams. And it just it just did very very well over two hundred thousand dollars in the first year after monetizing, and then smart passive income was created to just talk about how all that happened, what I wish I had done differently, because really I wanted to just share it with everybody because I didn't even know this whole world existed until I got laid off, and I didn't, you know, I, if I had known it was it was there and I, I was it, it was possible for me to do this, I would have done it much earlier, and so I felt like I wanted to give somebody that they could trust to just share everything, and that's why every month you actually see a monthly income report where I share how much money I make down to the penny where it all comes from it doesn't always go up but it's always a lesson and that's the lessons around those numbers are always what's most important in terms of how those things happened and um, it's just been a wild ride it's been a lot of fun I'm doing a lot of keynote speaking now it's like it's just crazy that I could say I get paid to speak now because I was definitely afraid of that before 2011 and when I started and the podcast has grown to about 25 million downloads now which is insane and it's it's been top 10 business podcasts for over 5 years now and, um, now I have this book and it became a bestseller. It's just, it's incredible the journey I've been on, but I'm very thankful when I think back at all this, just for having my boss say, you know, you can't work for us anymore. that was, that was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: It's so funny because the exact same thing happened to me. And I was, I was working at Prudential Investments and I was a, mm-hmm. and I was a financial analyst, et cetera. And I had a great kind of cushy job. I liked it. I was bored to tears, but, um, Best thing that could have ever happened to me was that I got laid off because I also had just happened to have read the Four Hour Workweek, thus the month that I got laid off. And had I not had that, my eyes open to this whole world exists over here. I remember I got into the business of, you know, I guess online and information marketing because it was not even chasing a 4 hour work week it wasn't chasing riches it was running away from the con- you know from the idea of having to put my resume together and go schlep around and ask for a job
1: right right that's so, so cool a uh, 4 hour work week had a big influence on me too right around that time also so yeah, Tim, uh, tims had had some good success helping people out i guess
0: yeah it really has and you know one of the things that you said that also resonates with me and i think that all the listeners should take special note is you know you assume the role of a crash test dummy. Well, in order to do that, you had to know and you have to go into it every single day you wake up. I may go be in a crash today, and that's okay because there you know, you're going to learn something from that. The only time you you know, you, you fail is if you try if you fail to take a lesson away from it. And mm-hmm. when I started my business, I remember that I wasn't focused on the end result of having freedom and you know, financial freedom and time freedom, et cetera. I was just using it as a marketing laboratory, I've always said, just trying to figure it out one step at a time. And every time I did something, I developed a new skill. And if I screwed it up, I became an accidental expert in fixing it. And it just kind of created and created it and grew. Um, but I think that was a really important distinction that you said which was, yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a crash test dummy. I'm going to try it out. If it fails, I'll try something else. Yeah, I'll... it
1: wasn't always like that, though. I mean, I, in the beginning with me, it was survival. You know, that's really what, what building an online business was about for me. And then once I got a business up and running and automated, then I started Smart Passive Income. And that's when I started to consider myself as, you know, this leader in this space where I can help people through example by being transparent, by putting myself in line. And, you know, it, it's funny that tagline didn't come until I hired a designer to help me design my website. And he just needed a placeholder for a tagline. And he's like, oh, well, you're, you're kind of like a crash system. And <laughs> it kind of just stuck there. So it's, uh, it's been pretty cool that that actually worked out.
0: Nice. What's been your biggest crash?
1: Oh, gosh, do we have like five hours to talk? <laughs> right? There's so many. I mean, the, the, the biggest one, I mean, there's a lot of different examples, but, but the one that I use in the book that's very relevant to how people are now and what they're doing is, you know, I spent 15 grand on building a software that never made it to market Ooh. and it was because i rushed into it i didn't validate the product i got way ahead of myself and um community you know communication with the developer was bad because i didn't even fully flesh out that idea myself i just wanted that income that money that i saw my friends were making when they were making software products and that, that was the you know there were two things that, that were wrong with this process one i was chasing the money more than wanting to serve my audience and two I was just—I didn't know what I was doing, so I rushed into it and just didn't follow anybody else's example. Um, So, you know, big lessons learned from that was to validate your idea beforehand. Because when I had finally had this product that was done, I had spent about ten grand uh, developing developing a a product, a a WordPress plugin that actually worked finally, and I shared it with a couple of my friends and and mastermind colleagues. And they were like, "Dude, Pat, how how much did you spend on this?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Like ten Fifteen grand, and they're like, "Uh, it's not that good. Oh, it's it's not a good idea. And you know, my my, I love my mastermind groups because they're very honest. I mean, yeah, you you have to be. And if only I had brought them this idea first, and then potentially had this feedback, it would have saved me a lot of money, or at least I could have been like, okay, well, what would make this good, and then turn it into something that would actually be better, instead of just kind of guessing, which is what a lot of people do. We build things because we guess. That our audience is going to like it, or we hope, which is even worse. You have to know, and once you know, you have that motivation. You have data behind it, and you can move forward full steam, knowing that it's going to work.
0: Yeah, I've had a couple of those um, my, myself where I had the concept for something, and I just I spent a lot of time and energy, you know, developing it out, and then it just kind of landed with a thud because it really wasn't what the market wanted. And um, man, that's it's it's a hard lesson to learn. And thus the importance of validation. And this is this is like a good segue into your book, Will It Fly? Um, tell me about uh, this book. The, the subtitle is How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. Um, I can't think of a like a better book for especially not only even for new uh, entrepreneurs and people who are just trying to get into the business, but anybody, because it's very easy for all of us, especially if we've had some success to just jump right into something else and forget the ground rules and the fundamentals of finding out if it'll fly. So tell me more about this book and how it kind of came around.
1: You know, it's interesting as entrepreneurs, we often hear the the phrase, just ship, right? Which is, you know, just do it, put put it out there, ready, fire, aim, as they say. Um, And that's good advice. You know, you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to worry about perfection you need to actually like take action in order for things to happen but if you take action with, with uh, on nothing with if you take blind action then you're going to potentially be even further behind after you finish and so it's really important to do some stuff up front which is what this book is about to help you validate your idea to make sure it's something your at your customers will actually want to buy and you know, four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, he, he was the first one to kind of talk about validation in sort of the online world. And in his book in, I forget which chapter it was, it was called testing the muse. I think part two of that, where there was this, this, these examples of two physical products. I think one was a yoga DVD and another one was like sailor shirts or something. Do you remember, does this ring a bell?
0: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And so
1: what he would do is he would set up landing pages for those particular products. And actually drive cold traffic to them through Google AdWords and then he would keep track of how many people actually clicked on the buy now button so it actually looked like those products existed and he could tell based on the number of clicks how many you know if it was actually something people would want or not before actually you know fully building out this this business and that was like that was like a a huge light bulb for a lot of people like whoa, that's actually possible but For one, Tim hasn't really updated that. I mean, that's not really what the book was about essentially, but it's just a part of it. And there's been a lot of validation literature since then, a lot of blog posts and stuff, but a lot of it also assumes that you have this large audience already that you you could tap into. So I wanted to create this book to help everybody. Like you said, those who are just starting out, who don't have a list, don't have any contacts whatsoever, but also those who have a business, who have contacts, who wanna just make sure that their next move is the right move, this is gonna help you because it walks you through a process, a very iterative process to help you understand, like I said, if you're gonna have paying customers. That's how you know if something's actually gonna work out. You can't just assume, even if people say, oh yeah, totally, totally, Brad, I would totally buy it. If you you made that thing, I would buy it. You can't assume that they will. They're they're maybe just being nice to you. You have to actually have them transact, and even beforehand. And you might think that this is kind of ludicrous, like what, you're getting people to pay for stuff before it's built, and you're actually telling them it's not built? But this happens all the time, it's like, you know, we pay for tickets to events all the time before they actually happen, right? Uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, we're paying for ideas now before they happen. To, and, and those people obviously are, are validating their ideas to see if they can get enough following, enough pledge money beforehand before moving forward. And so this idea isn't actually all that far off what's happening today. It's just a matter of getting in front of a small sample size of your target audience and sharing this idea with them and then actually asking them to pay for it up front. And if you get a certain amount of those people to pay, then you know. And if not, then the cool thing is you're not just left in the dark. You're not a failure. You can go back to that failure point and be like, okay, well, how come this, this didn't work? You go ask those people who said they were interested, but then buy, well, how come you didn't buy? And they'll tell you right there. So it's no longer about guessing. It's just about going through the iterative process. And at each point, if you're met with failure, you kind of understand why before you move on to the next point. And this way, you know, you're going through it in a way where you know that by the end of it, it's going to, it's going to work out.
0: Right. You know, it's funny that, uh, you mentioned the Tim Ferriss ones, because when I first, this is one of the smartest things I did was I actually followed the Tim's directions and I validated the very first product I ever built ahead of time. And I, the quick backstory is I had no idea what to create as an info product. I happened to really like bar tricks little, you know, bar magic. And um, a a book by Neil Strauss had just come out called The Game. It was all about, you know, pickup artists and people who use magic too. It's a good book. Yeah, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Neil was talking about he's using magic tricks. And I remember reading it going, that's kind of cool. I've I've done bar tricks and it flirted with women. It it was kind of cool. So what tricks did you do? And and he never explained them. So I was talking with a buddy of mine who became my partner and we decided – wonder if that if there would be a market for anybody like pick up artist magic tricks we just take some of the tricks that i already know and some of the ones that are on the internet and just kind of package them up for the people like the, who have just read this book and who want to break the ice in social situations and with women but um, i i'd never created a product i had no idea if it would work so i created a a single page never wrote a page or a copy before in my life but i just wrote the copy for a product that i would buy if it existed, and at the bottom of it, it just said click here to, you know, to to get the course. Excuse me. And um, just like you said, you know, enter your email first, but then I didn't even have them buy. I just said thank you for your interest. Um, You know, this course is almost done. You're on the notification list. Mm -hmm. To where it's not, I'm not even taking money, but I did take their email, and I built up like an email list of about 600 people, and I was talking with them, and they were clamoring around asking me, you know when is this going to come out and i just run some google ads to it but i knew at that point okay people want this yep. let's i can't tell i mean i i don't have to tell you how much fire you can get under your but when you know that there's somebody out there who was like dude i will give you money if you create that
1: yeah yeah totally and or or now you can, now we have these tools available to us to collect pre-orders so you can actually collect the payments and you know just have that in sort of an escrow-like situation without them having to actually give you money over PayPal, which can still happen, too. I mean, Noah Kagan validated uh, Sumo Jerky, which is a beef jerky subscription service. He Mm -hmm. validated that in 24 hours by talking to a bunch of people and and actually asking them to pay for the service before it even happened. And he was able to, to generate a thousand dollars in profit in 24 hours oh
0: wow um
1: so there's a lot of people doing this in all different spaces it's not just physical it's not just informational i mean there's all there's service-based stuff coaching you can validate anything really again the idea is just take it it's like it's like on mythbusters i don't know if you've seen the show mythbusters But whenever they do these like large scale experiments, they first do them in a small scale to understand what happens first for their safety to just to see what's wrong so that they, when they go full scale, they can build it the right way. It's the exact same thing. Your ideas that you're testing, they're like these myths that they're testing on that show. And so you do a small scale experiment to see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, well, then you fix it. You tweak it until it does. And then you go full scale with it the way it should be. And that way it's safer. That way it's more guaranteed that it's actually going to work out in the end um and that that's what you do and if, of course once you have those paying customers like you will have that fire lit under you to just do it of course and then by then you know those initial customers they're going to be your evangelists you know because they're a part of that first round they're 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 going to um be the first round of testimonials when you go full scale and it's just it's sort of similar in the, in the software industry you know running with a with a beta group just a small beta group with an mvp a minimum viable product and then working with them to actually create it into something that they want instead of something that you think they want and maybe don't
0: bingo and the the interesting thing that you said as well um about you know validating this you know prior to will somebody pay for it so I've done this with some of my clients who are more in the information space and the you know maybe they're experts or info product creators or high-end coaches and that's the concept of sell it before you create it um, so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna teach a class on oh we'll just make up something here how to be an expert you know Facebook marketing mastery. Right? Yep. Um, I do a webinar. I do something else to where I, te- I sell people into a, you know, into a multi-part course that I'm going to teach over the next, I don't know, six weeks as opposed to creating the whole thing and then hoping I can sell it because if I don't get anybody to buy it based on the strength of my ability to put it in front of people and persuade them to buy it, I don't have to create it.
1: Right, or even the webinar itself is part of the validation process. If you can't, if you can't get people to sign up for a webinar – Oh, exactly. Well, then you need to work <laughs> on your messaging. You know, it, it, and then that and work on that part first before you move on to the next
0: step. creating the whole thing cool so let 's take this into the real world in a very uh, live situation actually it 's I wish we had had this conversation a few months ago, so my wife and I have been supporting her through this whole thing, just recently created a or launched a brand new business, and one Thanks. of the things we did not do was validate it beforehand. I totally went on gut instinct now the business has only been open for about a month, and so far so good. Although I would have loved to have had um, validation prior to it because for, – well, for a million reasons. So let me give you a little bit of the uh, background of what we're doing and then this will be a great way for you to say, well, this is – here's a handful of the ways based upon your research that this could have been validated prior to because I didn't know how to validate this first. So right, it. so uh, our my, – my wife's coffee company, it, it was, it's a coffee company for one. It's called Stiletto Coffee. And you can go to StilettoCoffee.com. So it is a it is a very high-grade specialty coffee, amazing coffee if you like that. And um, it is marketed towards women. So she's got an amazing backstory in this. A portion of the proceeds go to help women's charities, initiatives, microloans towards women-owned businesses, etc. But the entire brand, is it's a very classy, sassy brand. And the difference we're trying to make in the marketplace is not necessarily a you know, a different kind of coffee, mm-hmm. but it's tapping into a very big market with a unique angle that this is not, we're not just selling the beans, this is for a very specific type of demographic, and we know when they see the brand, and they, and they, um, you know, when we build rapport with them through the branding, because it's not a pure direct response play, that uh, we were betting that it would do well. So, so far, so good, however, the hard part about this is the I saw the you know the the need I'm sorry one of the big pulls of this would be the entire branding experience and once they saw what this was all about from the packaging to the detail to the messaging that that had to be in play before we could even validate it had this been a, like a weight loss coffee or some kind of a functional thing it may have been easier to say hey would you buy this cuz here's what it does in a situation like that Is there anything off the top of your head that says okay if you were going to do you know launch a consumer product similar to this? How might you validate before going into all of the uh, necessities of launching the product?
1: Well, it would start with okay, so your target market women.
0: Yep, a certain a certain demographic of women.
1: Okay, and then so you find some of those women and you just talk to them. Yep. And you, you ask them if this is something they would be interested in. You literally just have a
0: conversation. So we and, did that. We didn't okay. pre-sell any though.
1: No, you're you're not doing that quite yet. Cool. But you could have after those conversations. Like, hey, do you want to? Okay. So you 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 sounded like you're interested in this. What if I said, hey, if you give me ten dollars now, make sure that you get one of the first, whatever it is that you're selling. Yep. And that would be a way to to really gauge. Well, you know, some people might be like, well, I don't know. And then you go, okay, well, tell me why you don't know. What's, what's the what's the reservation? And then that would give you some insight for things that you can then make sure to include in further copy or emails or pitches down the road. So again, you can use those little moments in those, in those conversations to really help you move forward. But if you get people to pay you, then that's great. And that's, again, confirmation that somebody is actually really interested in it and they're, they're voting with their cash, not just their voice. Yep. But they also become a person who was now invested in what it is that you're doing. Somebody that you could call at any moment's notice and say, hey, what do you think about if we did it like this? Is that something that you would actually do? Or, you know, you'd, be, you'd have these people who have paid money when that, that transaction, as we all know, is a huge deal. It doesn't, it, and again, the, the asking for the payment up front, it's not about making money. It's just about whether or not they would actually, in their head, say, yes, I would part with this money for this idea. And yeah. when you do that early... Then you have them as a resource, and so they're actually quite valuable to you now at that point.
0: That's great. You know one of the things we thought about doing was launching um, kind of a crowdfunding campaign, whether it's a Kickstarter or crowdfunder or something of that nature. and that's, that's also I'm sure you talk about this in your book, but talk about a great way to validate your idea is crowd, you know kickstart it, crowdfund it, indieGoGo it just to see if there's anybody out there who will support you. That wasn't available several years ago. And the fact no. that it is now gives uh, entrepreneurs so much uh, power to do that before spending a lot of time and energy.
1: Right. Kickstarter is great. I love it. Uh, the only issue with, that I have with Kickstarter for validation is that the pledge prizes can eat up your life. Uh, mm. I, I know this because, for example, if I were to say, if you were doing Stiletto Coffee on Kickstarter, well, then if you're going to give away a t shirt for everybody who purchases it at $15, well, who's your fulfillment house? What, how many sizes of each size are you going to get? What's the design? And you see how it's like starts to add on to what's yeah. most important here, which is your idea. Um, now that being said, there is a service out there or, or an application that you can use called celery. It's called, uh, you can find it at try com, uh, which is an interesting name. How do you spell uh, celery? Uh, C E L E R Y.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, sorry. I had to write that down just to make sure. <laughs> because I didn't know off the top of my head either. Um, and this allows you to create your rules. own Kickstarter campaign essentially when you, and have more control over it.
0: And so you don't have to follow all of their stringent rules.
1: Exactly. So it's, it's a way for you to do it on your own. Plus it's a way for you to collect pre-orders more importantly. Well, and it, that's a, and that's a great
0: things. point that you bring up is that sometimes people will just jump in for the swag and ev- and everything else and they're not necessarily – I mean it's not really a pure – it's not really right. a pure validation.
1: See, so Here's the thing, Brad. If you if you talk to somebody in person and you share this idea with them and you can't convert some of those people, then what's going to make you convert those people later when you're not even talking to them in person? You know, So try to do that first. And again, it's not everybody. Not everybody you speak to is going to say yes. There's a lot of reasons why people say no, but it's just a certain percentage, like 10% of the people you speak to. That's all you need to really – have this thing in your head that says, "Yes, this is actually going to work."
0: Right, and there is something I think that switches in somebody's brain when you don't just ask them, "Hey, do you like this idea?" Because most people don't want to disappoint you; they'll be like, "Yeah, it sounds good," or they'll, yeah, maybe they'll offer a few reasons it won't work. But when you ask them to put up money, they either do it, and if they don't, it opens a door for you. Like I said, well, what would what would make you what? What could I do that would make you actually spend money on this, and why or why not? And I can see how that can create so much more real-world intelligence than, you know, than just guessing at it. Mm-hmm. What? So hopefully, that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So, what is? Uh, are there any favorite kind of anecdotes or stories or validation tests that you talk about in the book that just kind of really stand out?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's one. Uh, you might know him. His name's Brian Harris from VideoFruit.com. Yeah. Um, He validated his first ever product, which is a boot camp or bootstrapper's guide to creating explainer videos. So it's a very niche thing. Mm -hmm. But he he actually started this, which actually allowed him to quit his job, create videofruit.com. He's gone on to do a lot of amazing things now and make a lot of money and and build successful businesses. But it all started in a Facebook group, in a Facebook group where he was sharing how he was creating these videos. That's how he was able to build authority in this space inside this Facebook group. So it was, again, it doesn't, you don't have to have a huge audience. You just need to get in front of an audience somewhere. And that was his method of doing it. So after a couple of weeks of providing value and showing people how he was doing these videos, he eventually asked, hey, if anybody is interested in learning more about how I do this, shoot a, shoot a DM or direct message with your email address and I'll get back to you. So he got like 25 people to send him emails and he had a conversation with each of them. And with each of those people, he asked them, "Hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to be coming out with a course about this. Uh, if you want access to it, I'll give it to you now for a discount price. Here's the link. And if I get, uh, I think he said if he, could, he if he could get five people, he would then build the thing. Huh. And if not, he would just refund the money." He actually got 19 out of the 25 people to, to to buy it, and then he created this course, and he launched it, and you know, it made a few thousand bucks, which is great, but it was more so a way for him to validate that this is the right direction for him, and later, he started to continue to talk about when he was creating this course, because it wasn't created yet. Again, he was just validating the idea of creating it. As he was doing that, he was building his email list, because he was sharing the progress in that same Facebook group, and by the time he launched it at full scale with everybody, he... Um, Obviously, the people who paid earlier, they get access to it uh, already. But he then launched it for – in front of everybody for a lot more money, made a lot more sales, and that's when he was able to then quit his job.
0: That's awesome. I love that. It's just because he tried
1: it out and tested it, and if it didn't work, then he would have tried something else.
0: That's so cool. It it is amazing what we can do these days with – you know, with, with the tools available, with the resources, and tools can be as little as social media. Everybody out there, you don't have to have a big group. You could have, you know, a Facebook fan page. You could have your Twitter. Yeah. You could have anything like that, and just using those to to ask these questions and to engage in the conversation. I read – who is it that did – maybe it was Noah K- Kagan who did this. He had an email course called, I think called Email 1K. Showing yeah, people I- – Showing people how to get their first 1,000 email subscribers.
1: Yeah, it could be Brian actually.
0: Man, man, Brian. But anyway, what he was saying was he goes, here's a – actually, I think this was Noah. Where When he was saying this, he goes, you could easily just create a a, a, tweet, a tweet that says, I'm thinking about writing a book on paleo eating or whatever. You know, something – I'm making this up, but I think that's what he used. Or I'm, I'm starting a newsletter on paleo eating uh, if you'd like to be notified – you know, uh, tweet here or say yes or go here or whatever just yeah. starting it out. he goes, it can be as simple as starting that conversation anywhere in social media. He goes you'd kind of be surprised't um, don't, don't go out and start it and make it perfect, but start the conversation, see who's interested, get their feedback, see what they want, uh, and then build into the demand as opposed to trying to create the demand out of nowhere
1: yeah totally I mean a lot of people go into this book with an idea in mind already I mean mm-hmm. obviously all entrepreneurs we have thousands of ideas <laughs> right. um, but then as you go through the book and do the exercises do the market research find out really what the problems are your target audience is having these ideas often morph into something completely different which is exactly, exactly what you want to happen because now they're based off of the research and what the market wants instead of just what you think they want and so yeah that's cool to hear that and Noah's a great guy he's a case study in the book too is he nice uh, with his sumo jerky company yeah um, and there's there's a number of others too, but it's it's just so cool to see people do this because again, it takes that in, a lot of the anxiety out of working so many hours and and putting a lot of of stress into something that m- might not even work out. I, that's why a lot of people don't start businesses is because they're not sure if it's going to work. And if, just imagine if everybody who had an idea followed through on them, how much more awesome stuff there would be.
0: Oh, completely. So. Uh, Tell me what some of the stuff you're What what else are you working on these days You've got your your podcast, your various businesses in that You're obviously promoting the book Like crazy Is there a bigger um, Is there a bigger game to the book Besides just getting a really quality book out there I mean are you working with people I'm asking this completely out of ignorance Are you working with people like in consulting relationships Are you doing anything of that nature Like if people are like man Pat's got it going on I want to give him more money
1: well, I mean the, a book in everybody's – everybody's uh, everybody who publishes a book should have a reason for doing it, right? Yep. You, you shouldn't just publish a book to publish a book. There should be something else beyond that um, uh-huh. I feel. And so for me, it's really the start of a conversation for people. That's why it's sold on Amazon. It's not sold on my website. I could have sold it on my website. I have a huge audience. I could have sold it for a lot more. I could have turned it into a course instead. But a book I felt was a very – because this is very – Again, at the start of a person's journey, I wanted this to be a low barrier to entry, not an intimidating, uh, great way to just provide a ton of value and help people out in the beginning parts of their journey. And if I do that for them, they're going to want to continue that conversation with me past the stages of this book and into their future and, and of their business and their lives. And so this is the start of a, of a long term relationship I have with my audience. And so, you know, the cool thing about this is that it perfectly leads into other future courses, for example, that might come out, which you'll see coming from me later on. There's actually a free companion course that goes along with this book too. So it's not just a PDF file bonus that you could download. You actually get access to a free course that is a companion course. So it's actually laid out chapter by chapter. In each of those chapters, you get bonus materials, uh, videos that walk you through some of these stuff that I explain in the book, downloadable worksheets. All the links that are mentioned in the book are there too, plus some other bonus stuff. And then what's cool is about the platform that I'm using to host that free companion course it's called teachable.com
0: Ah uh, yeah the um Encore is one of the the, the founder of that is one of a uh, former guests on bacon rat business Oh
1: yeah is great he he and I started a relationship like a year and a half ago and and to see what he's been able to do with Fedora which is now yep. teachable uh, has been amazing and it's a great tool super easy to use and I love it because now that people are getting access to this course and actually, 25% of the readers who picked up the book, because we've sold 16,000 copies at this point, there are over 4,000 people in that course coming directly from the book, which is it's a How crazy 4,000.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So
1: it's a free course, but 4, 000, now I have their email address. Yeah, and absolutely. when I come out with these courses later down the road, it's going to be on Teachable also, and they already have their username and login, so it's going to be very easy for them to go into another course if that is the course that they want to get into. Um, so there's that. But I have a lot of bigger plans. I mean, five years down the road, I'd love to have. You know, I do a lot of philanthropic stuff. I've built schools around the world, and I do uh, education in, in homeless shelters around the San Diego and LA area and stuff. And very so. Cool. Uh, I, I want to go bigger with that, though, and I think you know these courses and the opportunities, the more money that's going to come in in the future, that will be used a lot toward that. My big goal is to, within five years, have some sort of nonprofit organization that helps kids learn entrepreneurship, uh, and it's really a big passion of mine because I have two kids of my own. My son is six, my daughter's three, and my son, you know, he's in a STEM school, and I could see because of the way they teach, he's he's he has this sort of entrepreneurial brain, which mm-hmm. is great. You know, he he understands that they teach, for example that there's no such thing as I can't. It's just I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and, and I love that and he's he's very much wanting to solve other people's problems and if he only knew or begins to learn some of these basic entrepreneurial principles right now, I mean imagine the impact that that will make on not only him but all the people that he affects from this point forward. So I wanna connect with a number of, of kids and um, help them learn these basics of entrepreneurship at the start of their lives so that they can take it into the future with them that that would that would be my goal
0: that's so awesome and i love that mission that's that i I mean i can't think of much more that will have a bigger impact and ripples throughout you know society than you know getting them young and giving them the skills and mindset more even more importantly to be able to solve problems Mm -hmm. and and You know, add value to the world. So are there any nuts you're trying to crack right now? I mean, obviously, trying to get, you know, the book in as many people's hands and uh, get in front of as many people. But are there any, is there any uh, thing you're looking for help with, whether it's myself, my listeners, uh, any connections you're trying to make that just right out of grasp?
1: Uh, well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, right now, the, my book was self-published, which I don't know if I mentioned. But uh, you know, to get on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list as a self-published book, you know, I'm quite proud that I was able to do that. And I, I didn't even know if that was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't eligible for the New York Times, however, because the book wasn't in retail bookstores, like physical bookstores like Barnes & Noble. But that's kind of the next step that I want to take. I want to see if I can, as a self-published author, do this. Again, I'm, I'm the crash. test tell me I'm going to see if this is possible or not. And I know it's possible, but it's very difficult. That's why you want to go traditional because they have the connections with Barnes and Noble, for example, and they would just buy books and put it in the store for you. But I don't have that relationship yet. So I know that if I were to get my book in the print house that Barnes and Noble buys their books from, then which is which is called Ingram, mm-hmm. uh, then the next step is just to get Barnes and Noble to understand that this book is in demand. And so I, I want to on one day later this year, probably earlier or early this year. I'm going to have, and I'm just, again, I'm just experimenting with this. I'm going to have everybody in my audience and everybody else who wants to participate just on one day or maybe a weekend or something, all go into Barnes Noble or go into, I'll go online on Barnes Noble and just search for the book. Ah, go, that's awesome. You know, even though they know it's not, I, I did this the other day and it's, it's not in the catalog, it's not there. But I know that they, I mean, if, they should keep track of that because they're going to want to know what books are being you know, asked for. And then see if that actually equates into books being ordered uh, shelf space and, and whatnot. I would just want to see if that 's possible but I, I think it could I think it could work
0: I, th- I love it I think that would be I think that would be hilarious. Um, to just see it just blow up <laughs>
1: It would be a lot of fun plus it would make headlines and, and I know that if I were to do that, any second book that I create, if I were to go with a traditional publisher i 'd get a, a much larger advance because i've you know i 've done it on my own and so um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. We'll see what happens.
0: You should just hand out, hand out a bunch of books, a few hundred books or whatever to um, to your <laughs> smart passive army place. and just have people go there and, and then put it there. And then when people go to try to buy it and it, it's not checking out, they're like, I don't understand what's going on with this. Maybe we need to order more. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. James Altucher had a strategy he shared at one moment in time a couple of years back called reverse shoplifting, which was essentially that. Oh, really?
0: Uh, Maybe to- I heard it. I may have heard it from him. Maybe. I mean, he, he,
1: he, you put the book in, in the bookstore instead of. You know stealing when you you put one there and when somebody buys it it will let barnes and noble know that they're out of it which means well they need to get
0: more so i wonder if i did hear idea. that from james or if i just came up with that on my own but that's brilliant yeah <laughs> that's awesome
1: <laughs> hey we're, we're doing it for the self-published author because that's that's what most of us we're at that level where we can't get access to the traditional publisher so you know i think it'll either way it's going to provide some information for people so that, that's why I do what I do
0: absolutely well that's cool um, Pat if if there's anything I can do for you man in the future just let me know This is, and I look forward to you know now that I know that you live in San Diego we've got to yeah, same. You know, meet up at some point totally, totally. Um, uh, for my listeners you can go get the book I just ordered it while we were talking and I oh, just thanks, got man. yeah absolutely will it fly and I'll make sure and take a look at it give you a nice review on there and uh, obviously promote this to the the podcast and the following so guys if you're listening on iTunes uh click the uh picture of the of the podcast and you will see a link to the book and you can buy it right there if you're on an iPhone or an Android you can grab it um i i truly believe that you know valid pro you know business validation product validation is so important whether you're just getting started or you are experienced especially as i mentioned earlier if the more experienced you are the more cocksure you get and you think okay i can just will this into existence mm. but going back to the fundamentals practicing you know practicing mm. your dribbling uh, mm. that is going to uh, you know more likely get you better results than not and obviously if you want to hear more from Pat, go to smartpassiveincome.com or search for it on iTunes and, you know, in the podcast directories and you can hear much more there. Pat, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we
1: now just jump off. you know thank you so much for having me on I I appreciate you uh promoting my book and sharing it with the world I I like I said just want to get it in as many hands as possible and uh best of luck to you and if there's anything I could do for you or your listeners let me know.
0: Yeah, I absolutely will. I appreciate that. Um hey, speaking of books to my audience uh, you know members out there. I love I read you know, probably two or three books a week, I think. And um, I love recommendations. So if you have any book recommendations that you'd like to share with me, send those to askbrad at com to share it with me. And maybe I'll, uh, you know, read it and discuss it. Uh, if you've got any other, any other things about your business you'd like to discuss, you can also reach me at askbrad at com. And uh, the best thing you can do in the world for me, though, is share the uh, share the podcast with your friends, talk about it, give us a review on iTunes and uh, just keep listening because I enjoy doing this hopefully as much if not more than uh, you guys enjoy listening to it. Well, without any further ado though, Pat, thanks for being on the show and I look forward to jumping into Will It Fly? Cheers. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye.